Hebrews chapter 6 is the text, and I'm going to um, take a little liberty and uh, go all the way to verse 12. Uh, You will notice uh, it was a little challenging, Dr. Carruthers, because there is a there is a comma after uh, the last word of verse number five. And so all of that really goes together, but I'll do uh, the best I can. If they shall fall away to renew them again unto repentance, seeing they crucify unto themselves the Son of God afresh, and put him to an open shame. For the earth which drinketh in the rain that cometh oft upon it, and bringeth forth herbs meet for them by whom it is dressed, receiveth blessing from God. But that which beareth thorns and briars is rejected, and is nigh unto cursing whose end is to be burned. But, beloved, we are persuaded better things of you, things that accompany salvation, though we thus speak. For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love, which ye have showed toward his name, in that ye have ministered to the saints and do minister. We desire that every one of you do shew the same diligence to the full assurance of hope unto the end, that ye be not slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. We are persuaded better things of you. The Hebrew saints are not growing spiritually and are in danger of defaulting back to their old lifestyle and religious practices, thereby denying Jesus in their daily living. God wants them to reconnect with their earlier confidence in Christ and is optimistic that they will indeed do so. The overall goal of Hebrews is to encourage and challenge believers to go on to spiritual maturity. For in the book of Hebrews, we see how God approaches spiritually stuck believers to encourage them on to maturity. The focus in Hebrews is getting believers growing, not to test whether or not they have eternal life. Yes, they are stuck and stalled, but they are still saved. The author wants to talk to them about Jesus, but he finds it necessary to suspend his discussion of Jesus to warn them about their spiritual immaturity and lack of progress. It's a sad state of affairs when the man of God must delay the exposition of Jesus to warn God's people of their spiritual immaturity. For it is truly difficult to preach the priesthood of Jesus to people with pacifiers in their mouth. It's hard to preach Jesus, the Christ, to people lying in the cribs of complaining. It's difficult to preach 
the Savior to people with Similac on their breath. It's difficult to preach Jesus, the power of Jesus to people wearing the pampers of pettiness. It's difficult to preach the Messiah to people in need of monitoring due to mediocrity. It's difficult to preach the blood of Jesus to babes. It's difficult to preach Jesus, the, the sonship of Jesus to screaming children. It's difficult to preach the love of Jesus to infants. It's difficult to preach the kingdom of Jesus to kids. And it's difficult to preach the power of Jesus to preschoolers. We have too much childish bickering, adolescent attitudes, sophomoric squabbling, prepubescent plotting, youthful lust, infantile theology, and juvenile jealousy. We got too much babyish brethren and churchyard bullying and social media and cyber assaults and attacks. He said, I persuaded better things concerning you. And if we're going to experience the better things, the first thing we must do is we must cultivate our salvation. In verses 6 through 8, he talks about this and provides this image of cultivating our salvation. Spiritual growth does not happen just by coming to church. We still have members in our congregations that believe as long as they get there before communion, they have worshiped. But in order to grow, we must be intentional. We must be desirable. We must have a habit. It must be voluntary. Our salvation will not come uh, all by itself. Our, our growth will not come all by itself. We must cultivate it. The word for cultivate is a presence, uh, present tense passive verb, uh, meaning uh, to be farmed, uh, to become cultivated by growing, often by involving improvements by means of agricultural techniques such as tilling the earth. It, it is to garden. It is to till, it is to plow, it is preparing the ground for planting. The planted seeds ultimately grow and produce a, a useful harvest for the one who did the cultivating. Blessings are determined by the cultivating of the soil. The rain falls indiscriminately. The difference between bearing herbs and bearing thorns is somebody cultivated the ground. I don't know about shoe but I don't want thorn infested ground. I, I don't want the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches, riches to choke the word and make me unfruitful for the Lord. God gives the rain but, but we must nurture the ground. We have a tiller at home back, back in Dayton, Ohio because we enjoy gardening. We use the tiller to break up the ground. We don't plant the seeds for the peas for the peppers, for the melons, for the zucchini, 
for the squash, for the green beans and tomatoes until we have sufficiently broken up the ground. The, the environment must be conducive for growth. And the truth of the matter is that many of our congregations and many of our gatherings are not conducive for growth. Uh, you've got to break up the ground and breaking up the ground is difficult in congregations, it's difficult in families, it's difficult in organizations, and it's difficult in individual lives because we will do almost anything to maintain a sense of homeostasis. There are some systemic congregational barriers which must be broken up in order to experience spiritual growth such as the abuse of power, the absence of trust, the lack of accountability, no vision, positional leadership rather than servant leadership, unequal distribution of the workload, assignments given outside of one's anointing or gifting, perpetual anxiety. And when we have perpetual anxiety in our fellowship and in our congregation, there are four predictable outcomes always, you can always guarantee they, they will occur and those four things are hurting distance, conflicts and dominance hierarchy what do you mean by that brother Matthews I mean hurting what happens when anxiety attacks we, we then uh, uh, feel threatened and we think that our, our survival is at risk and so what we do is we hurt together we come together in cliques and groups and you can have a meeting outside of the meeting and then another meeting because people are hurting because anxiety has erupted within the group uh, the other thing that will happen is distance or cut off certain people will stop coming to church they'll stop coming to our lectureships they'll stop coming to conferences they will distance themselves the other thing that will happen is conflict fights will break out verbal fights uh, cyber fighting and even physical fights uh, then the final thing that will also happen is dominance hierarchy somebody will rise up to call themselves and make themselves the alpha dog another another barrier to groundbreaking is our unwillingness to work the soil. Sometimes you have to get dirty to reach your destiny. Sometimes you gotta get grimy to reach your goal. In addition, you must be willing to pull up the useless thorns and briars in the soil of your spiritual life. Uh, pull up the inept, inoperable, unusable, and impractical things in your life. You must remove the useless in order to make room for that which is useful useful. Too many of us have crammed the soil of our spiritual lives with detrimental debris, unimportant concerns, and misplaced priorities. You must remove shady people from your life. You must remove the users from your life. You must remove the vampires draining your strength and your faith. You must remove insanity. You must remove foolishness. You must remove 
fake friends. Uh, you must remove the backbiting brethren. You must be willing to go where you are celebrated rather than staying where you are only tolerated. I wish I had a witness in here this morning. Spiritual maturity requires getting in the dirt and doing the work. Nobody likes getting dirty, but everybody wants to reap the benefits. Uh, getting their hands dirty and their knees dirty, but you want a better harvest and you don't want to get dirty. You got to be a better servant if you want a better harvest. You need a plan for spiritual maturity. You're not just going to grow by osmosis. You need some spiritual growth techniques. If you want to experience better spiritual growth, you must put your hand to the plow and not look back. Breaking ground is hard work. You will sweat. You will be fatigued. You will get exhausted, tired, weary, and drained. You will get distressed. You may get calluses on your hands. You may get sore backs, arms, shoulders, and legs. In fact, any time you're breaking up something, it's difficult. But you must, uh, you must have some breakups uh, before you can experience some breakthroughs. Uh, you, you, you gotta have some breakups before you can have some breakthroughs. Uh, you gotta break up with self-pity. You gotta break up with fear. You gotta break up with healthy relationships. You gotta break up with users and abusers. You gotta break up with that thought. You gotta break up with broken people. You gotta break up with doubt, defeat, negativity, hopelessness, addiction, complaining, misery, hate, jealousy, bitterness, the traditions of men, uh, corrupt alliances, and misinformed theology. You gotta have some breakups if you're gonna have some breakthroughs. Uh, the Lord cannot use you if you have allowed others to already use you up. Uh, you have permitted users to drain you to the point of no longer having anything left for Jesus. They, they add, you, you got people in your life that add nothing of value or use to your life, but at the same time, they waste valuable space that could be used to cultivate a harvest for Jesus. The context is a call for believers to press on toward maturity. The analogy that he uses in the text of burning relates only to the worthless thorns and thistles, not the soil, land, or earth itself. Uh, the elder Pliny said in AD 112, he attests to the fact that the land was burned to remove weeds and stubble. The Lord is not out to burn you, but he's out to burn up the useless thorns and briars that are preventing you from producing the fruit of spiritual maturity. Not only must you cultivate your salvation, but you must be confident about your salvation. Verses 9 and 10 tell us we got to be confident about our salvation. You ought to know whether or not you are saved. The word confident means to be persuaded or sure of the truthfulness of something. Dr. Robinson already talked about better things. Better things refer to something superior in both quality and condition. This epistle often speaks of better. I know he said it, but I had it in my notes, so I'm going to say it too. Uh, Jesus is better than the angels. Uh, the blessed is blessed by the better. We have a better hope. We have a better covenant. We have better promises. We have better sacrifices. We have a better and enduring position. 
possession in heaven. We have a better country, a better resurrection. God has provided something better for us. So obviously, the Lord wants us to have better. The better things accompany salvation. Uh, there would be no point of salvation if it did not make our lives any better. Walking with God made Enoch's life better. David's relationship with God made his life better. Uh, walking with God uh, made Daniel's uh, life better. He uh, made the woman at the well's life better. The Lord made Joseph's life better. The truth is he makes all of our lives better when we have a relationship with him. Uh, I came by to tell you, don't give up or uh, throw in the towel of your faith uh, just because of pain or persecution or even people. Everyone else may forget how you served, uh, how you ministered to them, uh, how you blessed them. Uh, they may forget how you prayed with them in their darkest hours. Uh, they may forget how you held them during their grief. Uh, they may forget the cards you sent. Uh, they may forget when you dropped your situation and rearranged your schedule to accommodate him. Uh, they may forget how you paid their uh, grocery bill. Uh, they may forget how you paid their rent to keep a roof over their head. Uh, they may forget how you visited them during sickness. Uh, they may forget how you called and encouraged them to keep the faith. Uh, but the Lord uh, has a holy habit uh, of never forgetting your labor of love. Uh, you see, uh, God will never forget your labor of love. And some people don't desire better because they don't believe they deserve anything better. They have been scorned by societal injustice. They have been impoverished, discouraged, wrote off, told uh, they would never amount to anything. They never know the true potential uh, of their spiritual strength uh, until they have to endure uh, difficulty and there is no other alternative. You see too many Christians doubt their worth uh, because they misunderstand the call. Uh, in chapter 6 verse 1, uh, let us go on uh, to perfection. Uh, let us go on to perfection is really the objective of the text. Uh, however, it is important to distinguish what the world knows uh, as perfectionism uh, and what the Hebrew writer means by perfection or perfect. Uh, we often come to wrong conclusions because we read our westernized uh, worldview uh, and culture into the text. Uh, but perfection means to overcome uh, an imperfect state of things uh, by one uh, that is free from objection uh, uh, to bring to an end uh, or to bring to uh, to bring uh, to its goal uh, or accomplishment uh, to the glory of God uh, our perfection is not in our performance uh, but it is in both the completed earthly ministry and now the present uh, high priestly ministry of Jesus uh, we successfully run our race and reach our goal uh, by joining Jesus uh, instead of perfectionism uh, we need to understand that perfectionism really is an illusion we are afraid of, of better we are afraid of the concept of better because it implies that we are somehow presently flawed uh, somehow uh, imperfect or inconsistent uh, sometimes I wonder if we want better everywhere except in the Lord's church uh, I'm privileged to serve uh, as the chairman of the Midwest uh, 
lecture ship and I and I want uh, to be better and I want to uh, to grow I want our ministers and leaders and members to be better in our hypocritical arrogance we are self-deceived into believing we are immune to inadequacy uh, even the fault of imperfection imperfection is intolerable to our egos and it is spiritually ironic because Paul plainly said all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. It's, it's Jesus who perfects us and not our policies, not our programs, not our processes and not our procedures. He just gave me this five minute warning so I really don't have time to tell you everything that I want to tell you but perfectionism is self-destructive. You got to understand uh, that our perfection is both Christological and eschatological at the same time. Uh, it is Christological because our perfection is in a person and that person is Jesus Christ. Uh, it is also eschatological. It is now but not yet. Uh, if I had time I'd tell you Hebrews chapter 2 verse 10 for it is fitting for him whom for whom all things by whom are all things in bringing many sons to glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect uh, through sufferings. Uh, chapter 5 verse 9 and having been perfected he became the author of eternal salvation to all uh, who obey him. Uh, chapter 10 14 for by one offering he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. See your perfection is not in yourself. Uh, if you have any perfection it's in Jesus. Uh, so you see some people, uh, some people risk their salvation by playing it safe. Uh, according to Hebrews, uh, you've got to come boldly to the throne of grace. Um, we are blessed. Uh, chapter 10, uh, verse 19, uh, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus. Uh, we are uh, not in this all by ourselves uh, because in chapter 13 and verse number 6 he says, so we may boldly say, uh, the Lord is is my helper I will not fear what can man do to me we spend a lot of time praying for the Lord to change the circumstances in our lives but the Lord may be trying to change us in our circumstances I wish I had time and I tell you about being compelled by our salvation but I just want you to know that Jesus is our greatest model of faith he is our fourth runner. There's nothing uh, nobody better than Jesus. Uh, David said uh, that now the Lord, uh, what do I wait for? My hope is in you. Uh, Paul said Christ uh, is our hope. Uh, are there two or three people in here that have hope in Jesus? Uh, you can talk about me, uh, but you can't have my hope. Uh, you can scorn me, but you can't have my hope. Uh, you can laugh at me, but you can't have my hope. Uh, you can lay me off, but you can't have my hope. You can profile me, but you can't have my hope. You can label me, but you can't have my hope. You can ridicule me, but you can't have my hope. You can rise up against me, but you can't have my hope. You can wound me, but you can't have my hope. You can leave me, but you can't have my hope. You can exclude me, but you can't have my hope. You can fight me, but you can't have my hope. I, I've been through too much and I struggled too long 
to let you have my hope. Uh, uh, you, you met me in chapter 6 of my life, uh, so how can you possibly know my story? Pains persist, uh, but my soul is anchored in hope. Uh, problems pile on, but my soul uh, is anchored in the Lord. Uh, critics complain, uh, but my soul is anchored in the Lord. Uh, devils deceive, uh, but my soul is anchored uh, in the Lord. Uh, haters uh, may hell raise, uh, but my soul uh, is anchored uh, in the Lord. Uh, sickness uh, stirs up from time to time, uh, but my soul uh, is anchored in the Lord. Uh, evil erupts, uh, but my soul is anchored uh, in the Lord. Uh, trials uh, may test me, but my soul is anchored in the Lord. Uh, sorrow may come, uh, but my soul uh, is anchored in the Lord. Uh, finances may falter, but my soul uh, is anchored uh, in the Lord. Uh, I just want you to know as I go to my seat that Jesus is my hope. Uh, he is my high priest. Uh, he is my forerunner, my redeemer, my captain, my salvation, my deliverer, my assurance, uh, my bread, my life, uh, my truth, uh, my alpha and omega, my will in the middle of the wheel, uh, my bright and morning star. My Jesus is everything to me, uh, and you can take what you want, uh, but you can't take Jesus from me. Uh, you can keep me from here and keep me from there, but you can't keep me from Jesus Christ uh, to the glory of Almighty God. <laughs>